podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. to another episode of the Nina Kaza show. Can you hear that smile? I am grinning ear from to ear. Not because it was a great performance, not because we smashed some teammate nil. It's just nice to see Liverpool winning after what felt like a loss last week to me personally. A, a clean sheet, two loads of positives. And to ensure that we get three points, I had to pull out the aces, all the stops. That gift came out again, the avian one from Rocky, and followed up followed up with my ace in terms of a podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Mr. Cuzzy. Cuzzy, welcome back. Hi, how you doing? Good, good, good. Back to winning ways. It should have been 8 nil. Should have, it should have, yes, it should have. But we'll get to that. We will get to that. And yeah. joining Cuzzy, I'm delighted to have you back on Cuzzy. And joining Cuzzy, it is the host of the Reds Review podcast and the Champions League preview podcast. It's Mr. Andy Wales. Hello, we're in better mood today. I uh, know, much, much love for you because you're from the, you know, you're from the northeast as well for obvious reasons. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, gone, gone great, gone great idea, like. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay, right guys, <clears throat> we have three amazing callers, familiar voices on the Nina Kaza show, people that I rate highly as well. So you know what? We're going to go straight to them. And our first caller is Stephen Balligan. You can follow him on Twitter at Stephen Balligan from London. Welcome to the show, Steve. Good evening, Nina. How are you? You know what? It's just nice to win. (laughs) Simple as that. Yes, indeed. Indeed it is. Um, I, I tend to try to be a bit more balanced about losses and draws and victories, but, um, Today's a good day, as one of my gifts that I've got says, um, you know, Man United lost and Liverpool won. <laughs> what more could you ask for? I think that has added to my smugness, you know, but I, I was trying to dodge it, you know, just trying to focus it on Liverpool. But yeah, great weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's always a good weekend when the Reds win. Um, but just that added bonus, it's just the cherry on top, really. Absolutely. And Steve, um, at what points and uh, thoughts would you like to share from the game with the panel? Yeah, so, you know, it's um, it's around the rhetoric around certain players um, around the team. And obviously, we want to talk about today's performance. And um, a guy that I just think deserves a mention is um, Loris Karius. I think he put in quite a, you know, um, solid performance today, um, which I think actually builds on a, that'll be the second in a row um, mm-hmm. of solid performances. Um, so, you know, I'm very, very happy, um, to say, I think he, he dealt with everything quite well. And actually, um, he had a hand in, in the goal that we, mm-hmm. that we scored because his quick thinking and quick distribution of the ball actually led to, you know, um, us being on the counter from a position where we were defending. So, you know, and that's something that I think is actually very important for our team. Um, and that kind of decisiveness should be celebrated. You know um, what? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. 
No, no, no. Brilliant points. I don't think I can add any more to that. So I'm going to go to Cuzzy first. Cuzzy, um, your thoughts on Carrie's performance. And it's also, it's also worth noting as well. You know, when we went 1-0 up and we decided to kind of fall asleep a little and, and the Saints came on to us a wee bit, I felt like his concentration was, you know, uh, it could have easily been one all at that point. You know, and yeah. he, he, he held his own pretty well, yeah. I thought. So I want to get your thoughts on Carrius's performance today. I think he's a bit of an unsung hero. I think Stephen's absolutely spot on to highlight his performance today. It definitely is the type of goalkeeper performance you want from a team that's being dominant. Um, he didn't have much to do, but what he had to do, he did really well. I can't remember too much, too many mistakes. Um, the general performance was good, but you know, that save was big at one nil. The ball goes over Robertson's head and, um, you know, I'm thinking that this is a definite goal, but he pulls out a really good save. Um, some people would say he, he should have saved it, but, you know, he's positioned well and he makes the stop, which is the most important thing. He's alive to it and he's alert. No errors keeps, you know, keep, keeps the ball out of the net. And that was the, I think the biggest moment for me. Um, yeah. you know, mentioned the, um, his, his, his decisiveness in starting the move for the goal. And that's, that's really good. It's funny that because it's one of the things I've been critical of him about, not that he doesn't, uh, distribute the ball quickly, but there's been times where we've been under the cosh and we need the team to have a bit of a breather and he's thrown or kicked the ball straight out and we've, we've been back under the cosh. It's mm. definitely, um, something that's advantageous for us when we're trying to dominate, when we want to catch a team out on a counter attack. Um, so in that respect, that was really good. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's, he's got a, um, sort of a hand in the goal there. But I, I did notice that in the second half, when we were looking to slow it down, when it was like last 10 minutes, um, he was, he was taking his time. Um, you know, he wasn't Ooh. in a rush to start moves. So it was, it was situational, um, awareness there. And, uh, um, I, I think, I think he's sort of growing into the team. And, um, I think it's good to have Van Dyke and him in the side. I, yes. I think they should, they, they need to play. He needs to play every game. Um, and I think Van Dyke makes his job easier, uh, cause he's got a leader there in front of him. Um, but no, he's, he's for a guy who's, who's, who's had, I think, some unfair criticism. Um, you know, it's just gone way over the top, I think, in some of his performances, you know, um, the, 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 the sort of the, 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 the sort of uh, analysis that he's had against him has been, has been a bit OTT. I mean, he's, he's made errors. He's, he's played badly in the past, but you know, what goalkeeper hasn't? Mm. Um, I just think that he needs, you know, if, if he was in the, if he was a British keeper, um, a young keeper, then it, it, you know, he would have a lot more sort of, um, benefit of the doubt. Um, mm. but, um, being new into the league, there's always going to be this question mark, especially with the, the Mignolet situation as well. I don't think it's helped that, um, Klopp has been a bit indecisive on who should be the number one. Mm. I don't think that's helped either. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad now he's, he's the number one and he's getting, and he's getting his chance, getting a long run. And I think he's doing well. So, um, yeah, long may it continue. Absolutely. And I love the fact that you highlighted Van Dyke there as well, because, um, remember Van Dyke's first game and Carries looked really unsure because, you know, he had a defender that was kind of communicating with him and he looked a little unsure as to what he should claim, what the defender should clear. So I think the more they're playing, the understanding is definitely there. Um, Andy, I'm going to come to you. I think, you know, um, Karis has had a few good games for us when he's been given the opportunity to present himself as a Liverpool number one, but always been overshadowed by us leaking and conceding stupid goals. It's so nice to finally have a clean sheet and he actually play well. And um, your, your thoughts on Karis' performance? And he's got to start in the Champions League. He's got to be our number one. Yeah, let's hope so. 
I think uh, I think because he got it absolutely spot on when he said, you know, when we needed him, he performed today. You know, he wasn't needed all that much, but but when he was called upon, he did what he was required to do really well. That save, the one on one, he came out quickly, spread himself, made himself big. That's what you. That's all you can ask from a goalkeeper in them situations, and he did that. He blocked that. There was also the shots in the second half, was it, or that was that the first half where he tipped it over the bar? It was a really good save from a shot from somewhere around the edge of the box. So, yeah, I, I think it was a good performance. Last week we gave him man of the match, and you know he was he put in a good performance. This week pretty much flawless. I mean, if you're going to be really, really picky, you'd say there was an iffy punch in there and there was an overthrow. That was yes. it. And that has been really picky. You know, and compared to the sloppiness... Million, he's costing £80 million if you're nitpicking like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, you, you look around the rest, of the, the rest of the players on the pitch today and there was a lot of sloppiness in possession and I'm sure we'll cover all of that. But I, I thought he was, he was flawless pretty much. You know, he, he pulled out the saves. He was quick. He was decisive. He came out, he cleared the ball or he just recycled it well. You know, it's, it's I think... What he's probably thriving on upon, not just, and, and as you echoed, you know, a really good point from Cuzzy as well, is, is having Van Dyke there and actually starting to build up that understanding now rather than their first game together. Oh my God, look at that. You know, one doesn't know what the other one's doing. Is I think just building up that, that confidence level of consistent game time, playing week in, week out, game in, game out. And, and he needs that, I think, rather than coming in, playing a game, not playing again for another two, three weeks in. And mm. it doesn't help. It's, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't help, help either match, of them. Match sharpness as well. Goalkeepers no. need it as well. No, exactly. Yeah. I don't think it helped any of the goalkeepers mm. and I don't think it helped the defence in front of them either. You know, that understanding that they build up where they, they know it almost becomes that second nature that we have in some of the forward play is they know how the other one is thinking. And it is different between Carrius and Mignolet. Their thought processes are different. What they do, their instincts, their natural instincts, especially in how they come off the line and get the ball and use the ball, they're very, very different. So it, there's bound to be differences there. So, yeah, I, I think he'll he'll benefit from the game time. He'll benefit from a settled defence. And and obviously confidence will, will benefit from from performances like today. He was He was absolutely spot on. You know, we said... Keep him in the sticks now till the end of the season. This is his opportunity to make, you know, to stake his claim for his Liverpool future. He's got between now and the end of the season to to nail down and say, you know what, you don't need to go out and buy another goalkeeper in the summer. I can do this. Uh, and today was a positive step for him. Absolutely. I'm going to go back to Stephen now. Stephen, you've heard what the lads have said about um, Carriers. I pretty much echo what you thought as well. So it's great that we're all on the same wavelength, that, you know, he doesn't get enough praise when, when it's due. Um, I believe you have another question for us. Yeah, so this this might be an inverse one. Um, and, you know, I was listening to um, the, the Under Pressure podcast um, and I think it was Darth who, who mentioned something about the echo chamber around rhetoric. Um, and I, I thoroughly believe that this happens around Robertson, um, who, first and foremost, I want to preface what I'm about to say by saying that any player that puts on a, a LFC shirt has my support. 
um, and I hope that they all perform well um, and push each other so that we have competition for places. And I think we genuinely have that now in left-back position. And I wanted to talk about Robertson and his um, contrasting performance in the first half versus the second half, where I thought he was actually really good and made better decisions. But in the first half, he was culpable for some mistakes um, or some losses in concentration, should I say, that could have led to goals. Um, and luckily for him, Carius was, as we've already mentioned, on top form. Mm. Um, and, you know, he fell asleep a couple of times on that back stick and that led to opportunities. Now, if a well-known Spaniard left back um, had made those same errors, um, mm. I could pretty much predict what the headlines would be um, you know, despite the win um, and what the focus would be on the after game analysis. Um, you know, it, he would be getting lambasted. People would be, you know, talking about him in not very positive terms. Um, and But it seems when Robertson does these things, um, nobody picks up on it. Um, but really where, where I got a bit frustrated with him in the first half was um, in his so-called quality deliveries into the box, which, you know, the commentators on on, on a well-known <laughs> TV station that was showing the game, mm. um, you know, were waxing lyrical about what great balls they were into the box. And actually, I, I disagree because there was a one sublime pass from Firmino, which set him free on the left um, when he made a very good overlapping run. Um, and he had time to pick someone up, uh, pick someone in the box pick out a player and, and make a great sort of cross pass. Um, and he just absolutely smashed it. Yes, into a channel, which is a danger area, but we don't have a fox in the box. We don't play that kind of game. So that, for me, that ball was pointless. What he could have done was picked out Mane's run, who'd ran into a channel and then stopped his run and was actually looking for a pullback, which would have led to a opportunity, a shot or something. Um, and I just feel like sometimes he gets down that channel and he just you know, without real strategy or thought, plays these balls in which look great, but don't actually go to anyone. Um, and he did that on a number of occasions in the first half, and it started to frustrate me because, you know, it, 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 the one time where, you know, someone got out wide there and didn't just put a ball into the box and actually paused and then retained possession, um, it led to the second goal. Um, when Mane was out there and, you know, he tried to set Ronaldo up for the shot, which was blocked, picked it up again and just recycled the ball. Um, and the point I want to make is that, you know, we don't want to be just knocking balls into the box. We want to be, you know, having a, a, a plan, an approach, a strategy in terms of you're trying to pick out a man. You're not just knocking a percentage ball into the into the penalty area. I mean, if you look at Man City, who have got to be the benchmark for everyone right now, there's no sort of hopeful cross every ball that goes into that penalty area is aimed for someone it's it's targeted at picking out a player um, and I think longer gone the days where you play that percentage pass and you're looking for that big center forward like Kane or you know um, the other guy we spent 35 million pounds on Carroll um, you know to, to get on the end of it that's not football anymore um, and I think you know he gets away with that quite a lot um, and I, you know, I was critical of it, but in the second half, credit where it's due. Um, I think maybe someone may have had a word at halftime mm. because it seemed that he retained possession better in those positions and was a bit more patient in his approach and what he was trying to do. Um, and I'd be interested to know what the panel thought of that. 
You know what? First of all, it's a great point. And I actually thought um, in terms of crossing, I, I was actually more impressed with Trent Alexander-Arnold, but maybe that's just a personal thing. Um, Cozy, I'm going to come to you. I think uh, Stephen's highlighted some excellent points. And basically, the, the performance analysis that Stephen just pretty much gave us and what we witnessed was pretty much peak Moreno in a sense that defensively, a little questionable. Attacking wide, great, but kind of lacked a little bit of purpose. And had Moreno put in that kind of performance or that kind of shift, everyone would have been absolutely slating him. You know, there is a sense of like some kind of bias. <laughs> there definitely is. And I think for Moreno, it's because of the howlers that uh, we've had from him um, in previous seasons. So this, the, the tolerance level for him is zero. There's, he has very little margin for error. Um, it's a bit like Carrius, for example. If he makes a mistake, he's he's hounded. If he, if he were to buy Say we used to spend a hundred million pounds on a on a brand new keeper who's who has an excellent reputation, and he put in a few dodgy performances. We'd be a bit cautious in criticising him because you know we'd give him that benefit of the doubt. Um, it's a similar thing with Carrius, and it's it, it's 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 a similar thing with um with 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 Marino. Sorry, um, you know he makes mistakes is going to get pounced on because of of what's happened before. Robertson doesn't really have that baggage at the moment. He's not made massive howlers. He's been steady. You know, his performances, he's, he has a handful of really, really good performances. Um, I say the majority of performances has been kind of average, but without those howlers, he's not really going to get sort of slaughtered as a, as a, a Marino usually is. Um, yeah, I thought he made a few a few uh, mistakes today. He seemed to misjudge the flight a few times. It seems to be a bit of a habit that all of our fullbacks have, to be honest. Klein isn't really good in the air. Gomez has made a, a number of mistakes where he's misjudged the flight and we've conceded. Uh, Robertson did so today. We didn't concede, but you know that that shot that Carrier saved is 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 come from his his mistake. It might sound harsh, but I thought I thought he, he misread that. It was right over his head. Um, I think I think our fullbacks lack Naus as well going forward. Moreno is probably the best um, footballer of 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 the of the fullbacks, um, and I'm not including Trent because Trent's a young player, so I'm going to set him aside a little bit. But the other three that we've got, so Klein, Moreno, and Robertson. Um, I'd say Marino's probably the better footballer of, of the three. They, they lack Naus, um, and some, the, some of the sort of in-game stuff you'd expect to do. Um, and it's, it's a really good point about just thrashing the ball across the face of the area. And, you know, the commentators and the crowd think it's a really good ball in, but really it's not gone to anyone. So what's, it's not, it's been ineffective. And that's something we, we get quite a lot. Um, it's really frustrating. Um, there's been a few games now where, Robertson has had really good chances to to sort of create a chance and it's not come off. Um today, um that that one way he put the he put the ball um in the six yard box across the goal and he had both commentators, both Martin Tyler and Alan Smith, waxing lyrical about it, saying, you know, he's entitled to to have a striker on the end of that. Um I disagree. Um, you know, we had two we had two Liverpool players there in space, in the middle in the middle of the penalty area, not far out. And it's an easy pass if you look up and you actually play the pass rather than just playing the percentage, you know, kick across the goal mouth. Uh, and it's funny, it, it's it's a bit of a paradox because I say playing the percentage, but with our strikers, with the, the nature of our play, the likelihood is if you thrash the ball across the face of the box is that no one's ever going to be on the end of it because it's not really the, the sort of football we play. Um, so, you know, the, the the better percentage would be to actually look, lift your head Look at where the players are and and feed the passing rather than just kicking it across the goal. So um, yeah, I hope he learns from that and, and and starts you know doing better in that position. It is a frustration. 
Um, it was a bit better in the second half. Um, it was a, it was a bit more patient. Um, but um, but again, I, I I still had frustrations in the second half as well. But there there was an occasion where he was running with the ball. Um, Salah was in front of him with space. He didn't play the pass early. He was dribbling, 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 and then he made a pass that wasn't great. And then the sort of the move fizzled out. So I'm quite harsh on fullbacks because I think they are key to be in the really top side winning things. I think mm-hmm. most teams that win the big trophies have excellent fullbacks. And ours, I think, just, as I said earlier, lack that now. So I think they, you know, not great defending and not great going forward either. It's sort of, we've got some, there's some average quality there, I think. And I'm going to, and as I said as well, I'm setting Trent aside because he's a kid and we don't really know what his best position is either. So I'm not going to sort of, um, rate him as such yet. He's only 19. Um, and some people think he's better in midfield anyway. You made a point earlier that his crosses look better. I think they do. They definitely look better on the eye. Um, but again, we don't really get many goals from crosses. So are they worth it? Is it worth actually just putting the ball in fr- fr- from the fullback area? I remember Arbeloa um, when we had him in the 09 season and he hardly ever uh, crossed the ball. <laughs> He'd always receive it cut inside play sort of one-twos with the midfield players or, or, you know, or attacking players in and around him. And we'd create chances, but it just, they just wouldn't come from crosses from his side, mm. you know. Um, and, I, you know, if, if you're not, if it's, if it's really unlikely that you're going to find a, a, a teammate to, to in a goal-scoring position, then why play the cross? You know, it's, it's, it, you know, it looks good. It makes the crowd go, ooh, but really, is it, is, is it worth it? And I think this, the actual stats on how many crosses are converted into goals are very, very low as well. So it, it, it's something to keep in mind. But um, no, I, I definitely agree with the point. Uh, the fullbacks for me are frustrating and that definitely includes Robertson. Excellent points from both of you there. And I think, you know, the fact that you kind of highlighted that crossing is uh, can be a little pointless. I think Stephen made the point earlier as well that we actually don't have a target man. We don't have like a Ben Teke or a Carroll. If we were Aston Villa, it would have been absolutely fine. And... Um, I'm going to move on now to Andy. Andy, your thoughts on Robertson and just um, the fullbacks in general? Because one thing that I think fullbacks are absolutely key in is um, opening up the play, widen, you know, widening the space of the pitch. They've certainly been um, pretty decent, um, I'd say, all season. I feel like, you know, uh, Mosala and Mane certainly benefit from that as well, especially when teams kind of try playing the low block. I know that wasn't the case today, but your thoughts on Robertson? Yeah, I, th- I think he's he's improved. So his defensive game has been pretty solid. He was a bit in and out today. I agree with what Stephen has said. Yeah, today he was a, a bit in and out. And his attacking play, I mean, in- initially when he came into the team, you know, that's all he was doing. It was almost like first time bang, cross, 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 cross. And I'd rather have Robertson crossing than Milner. I've got to say, <laughs> last season it was Milner endlessly hitting crosses into the box, which... Just he's just an awful crosser of the ball, but yeah, Trent certainly delivers a much better, a much better cross of the ball. And but it's I think what what Cousy was saying, you know, you've got to pick your times. When when's the right moment? What you know, who's there? What's the right area? Uh, and Trent, if the options there, Trent can deliver them. You know, his quality of ball, it's it's got the curl and the curve on it. He whips them in lovely. So. It's about picking your times, and and Robertson has really got to vary his game a lot more. I, I think he had he'd improved on that, and then he seems to have kind of regressed, and it does does seem a bit more hopeful. I mean, they were talking about like in, in the first half that you know where Robertson yeah got caught underneath it, and that that was that uh, the chance for Hoiberg, 
that cross came over from our the other side of the pitch where Trent's not getting close enough to his man. And I, I felt that that was, you know, as well as Robertson getting caught under the ball a couple of times, you know, and this has been a consistent weakness for us in the fullback area is, is you know, you cross to the far post and you can re- easily get a, get over our fullbacks is we've got to get tighter. We've got to cut out that supply as well. And yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of you know, symptomatic today that our fullbacks were, they're a bit in and out. You know, they have good moments and they have poor moments where we don't get tight enough. We get caught underneath it defensively. Then mm. other times the 1v1s were pretty good. We nail them. You know, we do some nice little interplay. We carry the ball. We take it up well. We create some width. We make the overlaps. And then it's the delivery. Then it's the, the what Cousy was saying, you know, the, the judgment, you know, making the right call, making the right decision about what, you know, when to play the ball, where to play the ball. Or do you do you cut it back? Let someone else, you know, change the angle on it, and that's and that's the thing. It's it, we we're still we're still not quite there, but um, yeah, I, I suppose I suppose it's hard to be be too sour because we got through it, didn't we? <laughs> it's you know we can be really picky on lots of different things, but yeah, I, I think there's there's pointers there for us to to, uh, to learn from, and and hopefully we will we'll make sure we don't repeat some of those mistakes. Dicks, uh, come Wednesday night. Absolutely. Um, fair points there, Andy. And I'm going to come back to Stephen, let him have his um, final thoughts on what you guys have said uh, before we let him go. Stephen, your thoughts on what the lads have said? Yeah, no, <clears throat> absolutely spot on. And, you know, take what Andy says. Um, definitely, you know, the overall outcome is it's been a positive one today. I just, I'm a bit of a devil's advocate, aren't I? And I, you know, I just... I see there's inconsistency in the rhetoric around some players and it annoys me because a person who likes consistency <laughs> in, you know, in opinions and, mm. you know, I see players like get away with certain things when other players don't. Um, and for me, the overall things, they all wear a Liverpool shirt. So shouldn't we just feel equally um, supportive of them all? But, you know, we get caught up in our emotions sometimes. I can understand that. I mean, Another example could be last week with, yes, it, I don't think it was a penalty, but, you know, Van Dyke kicked out. If Lovren had done that, internet would have exploded, um, yep. you know, um, and it's just like, it's about time that we, we kind of come back to the core that they're all Liverpool players. And whilst they've got that shirt on, we're going to get enough abuse from rival fans. We're going to get, you know, the pundits against us and you're going to get the media with their, their angle on it. Um, and But our jobs as fans, first and foremost, is to, you know, offer these guys support. Um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with analysis, but it's got to be balanced um, and, you know, consistent. And yes. that, that's, that's it, really. But I'd like to leave it on a positive note. And, and that's that. It's a great victory. We've turned the pressure on the Manx. Um, we've kept ourselves ahead of Spurs, who seem to be on a run at the moment, um, you know, and we've got to keep that consistency going. And I actually think when you look at the whole season as a whole, we've actually been pretty consistent this year. Um, compared to last year or last season, should I say, um, you know, and if we can put together another run of games as we did when we went 18 unbeaten, um, then, you know, that would be just fantastic and would see us through to being in that top four. I actually think we'll finish second. That's my prediction. I love it, Stephen. Uh, love your positivity. I really appreciate that. We're going to let you go now. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Hopefully enjoy thank the week. Yeah, thank you very much. And- your buzzing as well. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, and congratulations on the 10 years, I think it is, of Anfield Index, isn't it? So, seven, well done. Seven dot ages. We're only seven years old. Seven. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, congratulations on that. It's a great deal of work. And you guys um, keep me sane. Because if I listen to just the pundits on TV and elsewhere, I'd lose my mind. You actually talk sense. So, thank you very much. Oh, I really appreciate it. And of course, you guys coming on to this show and sharing your thoughts keep me sane as well. I get closer from results pretty quick. So thank you, Stephen. Okay. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye bye. So that was Stephen Balligan kicking off the caller segment on this Nina Kauser show. We're going to move on to our second caller, AI Pro subscriber, a familiar voice, a bit of a legend on the Nina Kauser show. And um, welcoming back, Cressy Davis. Welcome back, Cressy. Yeah, man. What a welcome, Nina. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> An absolute pleasure. Well, Cressy, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. What would you like to share with the panel today? Well, I, you know, I wanted to first mention my thoughts on the whole game and then ask a question. Um, and by the way, I must say that Stephen, I found him a very, very insightful caller. Mm-hmm. And I I take to heart what he said about a man wearing the Liverpool shirt and and, and treating them with a certain degree of respect. Mm -hmm. It has annoyed me all season how we've treated some players. Um, Even somebody like Ox, I thought, was badly treated when he, you know, the first couple of games when he was getting used to the team. Um, Moreno is horribly treated. and, And look, I almost cried after the, the Basel final, you know, and I blame him for a lot of that. But every time he puts on the shirt and every tackle that he makes that is clean and every time he clearly decides to throw away the brain fart behavior, I applaud him and I, I think he's our best left back right now based on what I've seen with him at his best and Robertson at their best. So I want to say that, that yes, yeah, Stephen was spot on about certain things. I think that movement between um, Robertson and Mane, just, you know, that we use these wide pivots. It's pretty important for us, especially on the left side, since Gomez starts on the right and and he has a brief that that basically tells him not to overlap, not to hit the, the corner flag, to... to, to to tuck in and sometimes make a three when we're going forward. So it's really, really important that Robertson and Mane get it right, and sometimes they don't. And it's not only Robertson's fault, sometimes it's it's Sadio's fault as well. But at least, on the other hand, they defend better on that side as a team than than the two on the right, um, Salah and whoever is playing on the right side. Um, right. Anything else I wanted to mention about the game? I thought Matip had a good game. I wanted to mention him since a lot of people were saying, oh, well, you know, we have Lovren playing well and he plays well on the right. He does. But then Matip, except for a poor tackle to get the yellow card, did what I call the Sarko pass for the second goal. That is, you know, you have a central defender who looks up, doesn't take the easy route and, and knock it to the, the fullback, plays it into feet on the edge of the box. It used to be Sarko, Kitina all the time, but 
now you know we have um Matip and Firmino stepping up and I, I thought the passing was wonderful for that goal. So I need to kind of comment Matip on that. Um, yeah, and what's your question? <laughs> yeah, sure, sorry. It's okay. Um, so it was about the referee because I thought he was real, real inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um, you couldn't again like the Tottenham match you couldn't really tell what what level of contact he was allowing and um, it's ridiculous so Firmino for instance to me won a clear penalty I mean the guy had his left hand around his neck then he'll move the left hand and put his right hand around his shoulder and pull him down and remember what I was saying last week about about degrees of contact and if a player feels like he's being impeded notwithstanding the fact that if he really really wanted to he could have stayed on his feet if he feels whatever he's trying to do on the ball will not work because somebody's tearing off his shirt then in my mind he has all rights to go down but if he does like lamella where there is no way the contact change what whatever the flow of the game was, the bounce of the ball, everything. The contact was incidental to, to the flow of the game and Lamella just went down anyway. I mean, that's cheating. So I felt like we got it. We, we're not getting the rubber the green from the from the, the refs. I saw Manchester United commit a foul in the box today. Penalty, clear <laughs> penalty, and nobody paid it any attention. Um... So yes, I wanted to know from the panel uh, what they thought of the referee's consistency level today. Great question. And luckily, they didn't take too much of the headlines this time, did they, Andy? Uh, your thoughts on the Firmino one? Because I think Cressy's made a really great point there. It's all about the level of content and intent. And the one on Firmino, the, you know, the defender in question actually made no attempt of even playing the ball. He was just all about just putting his hands all over Roberto Firmino. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. We don't like players to go down. But the fact is that players go down because if they don't go down when they're fouled, they don't get the decision. We've seen that earlier in the season. There have been two or three instances where players stayed on their feet after being fouled and the decision is not given. So we have a number of referees who make decisions based on reactions. Uh, and we've seen that with a, you know, a, a Jonathan Moss last week. I've seen him. He's a referee who will give cards based on the reaction of the out the outcome rather than the actual offence. Mm. Uh, it was a foul on Firmino, without a shadow of a doubt. It was a foul. He was pulled on the shoulder. I think what didn't help Firmino when was his... Uh, well, it's his exaggeration, the way yeah. that he, he threw his legs. He What what happened, it, it didn't look like a natural fall. Mm. You know, it looked too exaggerated. And and I think that's just simply what's gone, what's gone against him. And that shouldn't really impact it because if the offence is committed, then the, the offence is committed, regardless of, you know, whether the player makes a meal of it or doesn't. If that offence has been committed and it's a foul, then it's a foul. So it's... It's a, it's it's almost like the chicken and the egg, isn't it? You know what comes first, and it's you know players don't help help referees, but then you know referees are 
and making decisions based on reactions. So they're not helping the players. And this whole, you know, reactions and diving and everything, you know, it's just become part of the game now, unfortunately. But as for Martin Atkinson, I thought he had, yeah, I'd agree. I thought he had a very inconsistent game. Um, I, I think I'll be on. I'll be honest. When I see Martin Atkinson referee, I tend to feel he's quite cowardly, in that he doesn't like to rock the boat. He doesn't like to make contentious decisions. Um, he likes to be very, very safe. And you know, take to take that how how you may. Um, there was there was a couple of instances. I thought the Shan uh, Shan Emery Chan's yellow card was a slightly odd decision. Uh, mm-hmm. I felt that he actually got the ball. Yeah, um, there was the the foul given uh, against Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, towards the end, mm-hmm. where Tadic just um, well, I'm not sure, quite sure what he did. He kind of swung a leg and then threw himself to the floor and and got a free kick, uh, and that was the thing, you know, that that kind of reaction and exaggeration uh, with no contact, let alone minimal contact, gets a free kick. But because it's not in the area, it's safer and it's easier to give a free kick when you're not 100% certain or or if you're not quite 100% convinced. Yet for the, the exact same incident, the same the same occurrence in the box and the referee will not make the same decision. So it's I, I can understand yeah, people get frustrated by by referees who will give will give a tackle outside the box because it's a free kick and they don't feel like it's going to come back and bite them, yet they will not give it for the same thing in the box because it, that would mean it's a penalty and it feels more impactful and there's more scrutiny involved in it. So maybe that's just that the pressure referees are under, but um, I feel that the this general standard of refereeing in the Premier League has been declining for for you know, probably the last three, four, five years. And yeah, I, I don't think he was particularly awful today, but I think um I think what Quezzy mentioned was was a good point in that it, it's difficult to read because some tackles are, are are given okay, yet in other instances the same tackle is is a free kick, you know, and no no contact can be a free kick, but you know contact then isn't a free kick and it's and it's hard for players and it's hard for for um for fans to read and and quite digest exactly what you know what is what is his standards here in terms of what he'll give and what he won't yeah absolutely i mean i'm gonna come to cozy now cozy um i kind of saw you tweet that you know you thought it was a penalty i'd love to hear your thoughts on the decision and just the officiating in general, because I think both of um, Cressy and Andy have made some great points there. It's it's the inconsistency. If you're going to blow at everything, then blow at everything. If you're gonna if you're gonna let things go, then hold that line. Yeah, I think Andy made some really good points. They hit the nail on the head. I thought um, it's funny because on when live pitches, I thought it was a dive, and then when I saw the replay, I thought, oh, that's a definite penalty, and that's when I sent the tweet. Um, if he, if a player does dive, and I understand exactly why they dive, and 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 Andy's made the point there, if you stay on your feet, likelihood is you won't get a decision. So players go down. Fair enough. I think I think that's fair enough. It's where the theatrics are involved, and it it looks unnatural. If a referee doesn't see the full all phases of the foul or perceived foul, and only sees the reaction, so he sees Firmino throw himself to the ground, he's probably going to think to himself, no, it's a dive, and not give it. And um, I've got a theory on why 
the standard of refereeing is looks like it's declining over the last few years. And I, I it's my own personal theory that as as the game gets quicker, the referees I think are guessing more of the decisions because mm-hmm. I think it's impossible to pick up on everything that's going on the pitch. It's so fast. There's one guy out there in the middle, and he has to see all these things. And I'm sure some of the decisions he's guessing. I'm sure of it, and I'm even more sure of it after the um that that decision at Spurs where um. Um, John Moss has a conversation with his linesman and he says he doesn't he, he didn't know if Lovren touched the ball that told me that you know the referees miss a lot because he's looking right at the Lovren incident and if he can't see that that Lovren makes contact with that ball then I think there's a lot of referees are miss are missing during the game and a lot of I think a lot of the decisions are calculated guesses um and you know I don't know how you get around that if you have more than one referee on the pitch or what I don't know um, I've got an but, um, idea. Get them hoverboards and <laughs> make them do fitness tests because half of them look really unfit as well. Yeah, they, you have to be really, really, really fit. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's it, it, it's a tough one because from their position, I mean, for a linesman, right, for example, I don't know how they can tell when a, uh, when something is offside or not because a lot of the times the ball goes across so, so quickly and to be looking at, at one one phase of play and then immediately lift your eyes to look at another phase of play. I, I don't know. For me, it just looks like a bit of an impossible job, to be honest. I am not um, surprised that mistakes get made. You're right, though. That, and, every, you know, and Chris made the point, and Andy, the inconsistency is what frustrates all of us because you get yellow cards for, a, for, for some tackles and you see exactly the same tackle again and then no yellow cards given. And it, it, it generally across the board, it's like that. Um I tend to not get as frustrated as I used to. I kind of expect the poor level now, which is bad in itself, but mm. that's what it's come to. And I hardly ever go into a, um, a game these days and expecting the referee to have a good game. There's yeah. always a number. There's always a number of decisions that you see that you just mm. shake your head at. Can um, I come in there, Chrissy? I, I watched them. Yeah. Um, I watched them. Um, uh, the Fiorentina versus a uh, Juventus game uh, this weekend, and there was a penalty given. And the Fiorentina player lined up, put the ball on the spot. He was ready to take it, but then they took it to VAR. You know, they wanted to get video replay of it. And I, th- you know, there was a massive delay. And you know what? The referee overruled it and gave it, because um, the player was offside in question. Pretty very similar to kind of what happened with, you know, the Spurs scenario. But yeah. the referee actually had the balls to overrule himself and gave the free kick uh, to, Ju- to Juventus to perform to take it. And a lot of people were like, that's messing up the game. That's screwing up the game. But to me, honestly, he got it spot on. He got it wrong I, first time. He then yeah. went back and he rectified it. And the player was offside, spot on. I'd prefer to have the correct decision and mm. maybe waste a few more minutes. What is what is ridiculous is when they use the VAR for every single incident. Or yeah. a lot of incidents. My, my like, only criticism exactly. of that, you know, my only criticism of that scenario, that specific scenario, was yeah. instead of uh, giving the penalty, um, go to your video footage because that player had been stood on that spot for so long he was going to miss because there's psychological yeah. pressure building up there. Yeah, you know that. Think, yeah, he, he could have corrected that. That was my only, um, you know, um, criticism of the referee. Like, don't award the penalty. Go to your footage first and then decide. I think with the VAR, it will get better. Yes. You know, it's it's new to everyone, and you know the processes are, are, are new. I think it will get more slick, um, and it shouldn't. And you know, 
deciding when and when not to use it and how long decisions take and all that sort of stuff should iron out. It should get better. I, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of it and I think it should be introduced to the Premier League. Um, but maybe, maybe the process needs to be better first before they introduce it and the Champions League as well. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, if you see, if, if they, if they had it in today's game, what would the decision be? Because I don't think it was a howler as such, you know, we think it was a penalty, but if that went to a video ref, letter of the law, would that definitely have been a, a penalty kick? I, I, I don't know. Probably. But for some decisions, you're still going to get, you know, you're still going to get a bit of controversy because what, what it does rule out is, what it does rule out is the absolute howler. And, you know, I think we can all accept tight decisions. It's when the absolute howlers get missed is when we're all fuming. <laughs> you know, well, you know, to answer the, the, the question, I think both uh, Quezzy and Andy made really good points. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just the way it's going. I think the, the, as the game gets faster, the, the referee does seem to be poorer, but you're right. You make a good point yourself with the fitness tests. We need to get some really, you know, some on the ball fit referees that can actually keep up with the game. And I think the decisions will probably be a bit more consistent. No, um, I, I think that's an excellent point itself. The fact that, you know, the game is getting quicker. You know, something I didn't even think about. Um, I just thought the quality had just dropped, but great theory there. Cressy, I'll let you have the final word before we let you go on what you've, uh, what you've heard from the lads. Yeah, yes. Good points from, from both Cozzy and um, Andy. Uh, about the VAR, I, I'm, I'm with Cozzy. If we get the right decision, that's all that really, really matters. Uh, I especially, and I also think it shouldn't be used for everything, but for offside and penalty decisions, I, those especially, I think, have been the ones that have, have gone wrong so many times. I remember last season at White Hart Lane, I thought, you know, we, play, we played a great game. And we deserve to win that game. Eh? It was it was a really tough Tottenham side in good form, and Mane I think scored at the very end, or you know it would have given us a three-two victory. And they called Lalana offside, and it was the wrong decision. Lalana was in line. We games games like that, you lose two points just for nothing, just because some linesman is having an off day, and their 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 digital equipment that can can actually do this i mean if you look for instance at that thing they use in tennis that makes a sound the moment the ball touches outside right or or even the hawkeye in cricket I mean, this thing could be fairly automatic and what really should happen with var and offside is that every time a player is ahead of the ball you know put a microchip in the ball so you can when the ball is struck, you hear it and the timing is precise, whatever. But every time the attacking player is ahead of the last defender, a light should go off and then know that the referees on the field can decide whether the player was involved in player, whether he was interrupting play. They can make decisions like the fact <laughs> saying that lovering the ball barely, barely feathering against Lovren's ankle is actually another phase of play, which I found ridiculous. But anyway, they can make those decisions on the ground. We, computers can't do that. We need human beings to do that. That's fine. But the offside decision itself as to whether a player was ahead 
of the last defender should never be left to somebody's eye. It mm. should be some sort of autumn. I mean, they have what you call it um, in track and field, the photo finish sort of thing. The computers can do that with ease. They can measure the few inches. And the rest, you know, we can leave to the referees. All right. So that's VAR. Um, I really love Genie's game today. Uh, it was an away performance. And I, for one, think that most of the time when he's away from home, the reason he does, he, he looks sort of out of it, is that he's covering space. Like Charlie's tearing up the field and dribbling up the field, and he's the one who has to cover for all of these guys. And mm. I think that's why he, he finds himself out of the game. Luckily today for him, he was in the game. I thought he had a good game. Um, Stephen mentioned that he thinks we're going to get second place. I agree with him. I think we would have been nailed on for second place had Salah's period when he was when he was sort of bedding in and playing well, but missing loads of chances, were drawing loads of games. Had he stuck away a few of those, then we probably would have been clear in second place. But I mean, that's the pass. Um, yeah, Cressy, um, we're um, running short on time. Uh, no worries, thanks, no worries, thank you so thank much you. for your call. Yeah, thank you so much and have a lovely day. You too. Have an amazing I'm a happy man. Good. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> you take care. All right. Thank you now. So that was our second caller, Kwesi, making new rules for the FA. If anyone's listening, hire him, sign him up. We could certainly fix some of those problems with the officials. We're going to move on to our third caller. Somebody I know pretty well. I see him at the games. He's pretty awesome. Also an AI Pro subscriber. It's Mr. Jamal Tarazi. Welcome to the show again, Jamal. Uh, thank you so much, Nina. <clears throat> I'm excited to be on. It's great to have you on. Um, I'm sure you've got some great insight, great, great um, points that you'd like to raise with the panel. So, Jamal, you know what? We've held you on quite enough, so I'm going to give you the floor now. All right. I, I just... Uh... Well, first of all, I'd just like to say happy seventh anniversary to AI. I wanted to thank uh, really everyone involved with it. Uh, I feel my life, at least the portion of it that deals with football in general, is has been much, much richer since uh, I've been a, a, an avid listener. So thank you. Too, um, too kind. Uh, okay. I, you know, what, what I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on was maybe a noticeable tactical shift that I see in, in Liverpool. And maybe I'm, I'm making up a, a story and it's not there, but that's why I wanted to ask about it. I feel like the team is now playing a much slower and deliberate game. Uh, they're sort of happy to camp on, you know, their side of the pitch, not the opposition's side of the pitch. It's as if they've conceded the ball and just waiting for that time to spring uh, a really good uh, a counterattack. And maybe that wasn't clear to me in the Tottenham game because Tottenham is actually such a strong team and they like to play on the front foot. They like to press uh, the, their opposition. So at least to me, that wasn't clear. But against Southampton, you know, that, that, that at least makes me uh, want to ask that question. Great point to ask, actually. Andy, I'm going to come to you. I mean, did you feel like we kind of took the foot off the gas? And we, you know, the the first goal, certainly, I mean, it, it came from that sort of counter, you know, the counter-attacking football. Do you think um, there's a time 
in a game, I know, you know, we, we're in a WhatsApp group and a lot of people are getting frustrated that why aren't Liverpool scoring like a few more goals? Why aren't we killing them? They're dreadful. They're poor. But do you, and in the second half, certainly it seemed like a more mature performance, a bit more measured. Your thoughts on that? Do you think it's something that Klopp has in mind or do you think, or do you think maybe it could be the fact that we have a game midweek as well? Possibly. Um, it could even be that we were uh, setting ourselves ahead for uh, working on a game plan that we're going to look to execute midweek mm. against Porto. Um, I, I think th- some of the frustration today not finishing them off was that we had some good chances yeah. that we really should have finished. And and I think while it's two, there's always that, that you know glimmer of hope for them. But, Three you know, is that's the... for us. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we've we've had that too many times. But I think a third goal would have really killed them off. And I think that's just what we needed for our nerves because we've seen it so many times. We've seen us uh, capitulate too often that we we don't you know we we still don't feel comfortable even at a two 0 lead. But I think the third a third goal would have killed them off, and that would have made life a lot more comfortable for us. I, I think. My issue today was really how sloppy we were uh, with possession. Um, I, I I really feel we we were sloppy on the ball. We we were conceding conceding play far far too easily, and it certainly wasn't a deliberate thing. Uh, it was happening all over the pitch. Um, it just wasn't quite clicking around the pitch. You know, the final third, everything. The the ball just wasn't quite good enough. Um, so. In terms of the tactical approach, yeah, it did feel to me that we were look, we were kind of setting them up, looking looking to draw them out a little bit more. It might have just been that deliberate thing of what we were looking to do was create some space in behind them to run at them. I expected them to be a lot more compact and probably sit a little bit deeper and deny us the space to play. Um, I was surprised the way that Southampton played, started the game off. There was a lot of space uh, between all the defenders, the way they set themselves out. They really spread themselves open uh, and it kind of invited us to to chase them down and, and win the ball. And then if we win the ball, suddenly they're trying to get back into into a, a tighter unit and we've got that space to run, run into with the players that we've got, we love that. So I was kind of surprised at the way they set themselves up initially. Um, but you could see through the game, we weren't always pressing them around their back line. We were almost kind of letting them come onto us a bit more. And then as we were getting close, they were getting closer to the halfway line. Then we would start to spring the press and we would start to work them down. And, and obviously, not all their players are quite so comfortable at uh, moving the ball around and one-touch passing. So we were getting mistakes out of them. And that's where we were hitting our counters. And and that's where that frustration came because we had the opportunities to finish them off and we weren't taking them. It was first half though, for me, it was, it wasn't so much of, you know, a tactically we was, we were sitting back and uh, bringing them into us. It was, we were conceding possession far, far too easily. Whenever we were winning the ball, you know, it was two, three passes. We were losing it again. We were making some bad decisions and we were sometimes our touch and our pass was really, really poor. And I think we've got to really sharpen ourselves up on Wednesday night. Um, you know, I'd hope that it's just a bit of a blip and this was, you know, perhaps that some of the players playing a little bit with, with uh, Wednesday in mind, you know, one eye on the next game playing in the Champions League with it being such a big occasion that the, the concentration level wasn't quite there. But yes, second half, we were um, 
we still had our sloppy moments, but I think our shape was better. We were a bit more disciplined in the way that we 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 nulled we nullified what they were trying to do to us. And again, we're always a threat on the counter attack. But I think we did it against Spurs, where we we got the early goal and we were looking to try and sucker Spurs in and try and open up them spaces in behind teams, which was what we really like to play into. And it's, uh, Spurs obviously are a better team at doing it. We had the chance to finish Spurs off in the first half last week. We didn't do it. We ended up getting punished for it. And obviously we can talk about all all of that, you know, the, the validity of all the goals and all the rest of that. But we got punished because we didn't finish teams off. Today, we didn't get punished for being wasteful with our chances. But I think midweek, if we are as wasteful with our chances and we are as wasteful in possession, you know, we can play this, you know, you know, setting up the traps all we like and looking to play this counter-attacking football. If if we are so sloppy in possession and so wasteful with our chances midweek against a team like Porto, I think they will punish us. So hopefully we'll, we'll take some lessons from it. But I, I do wonder whether or not there was a little bit of um, working on the game game plan ready for that Porto game. Interesting points there. And Cousy, I'm going to come straight to you. I think, you know... I think Andy's highlighted some really important parts there. You know, some of the passing was slow. I felt like we were we were we were slow on the second ball. I felt like there were easy chances presented in the second half, where in the first half the you know the attack was um, basically the the thing that we were all raving about, where we just looked so um, threatening every time we had the ball on the counter. In the second half, we were just missing the most easiest things. Your thoughts on whether this is a measured approach from Klopp now, maybe not going full gung ho in every game for full 90 minutes, maybe reserve and, you know, be a bit more conservative, maybe hold on to that energy, knowing that he doesn't have the depth of squad and players. I think um, I think it's trying to make the team a bit more intelligent in terms of, you know, it can't always be hell for leather, full out, 100% energy throughout the entire match. Lead, you? You've got to learn to yeah. hold on to like a 1-0 now and then. It's, it's a tactical approach um, that I think he's trying to employ when, when we do take leads. I don't think it's quite what we're getting in some of these games, though. Uh, so second half against Tottenham, for example, where I think there was a there was a spell of about 10, 15 minutes where we had 15% possession. After the game and and in interviews um, previous, um, so since since then, Klopp has said that we stopped playing football in 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 the second half against Tottenham, and that was his um his his biggest sort of um, disappointment that we stopped playing football. So that that says to me is that although we want to take a more measured approach. It doesn't mean giving the ball away after every second pass. Yes. We still we we still need to keep in good possession. You want to control the game by having a good good piece of possession of the ball. You can't really control the game when you're having 10-15% possession. Um and I don't think we're a team with the personnel set up to concentrate for long periods without the ball. So um I get a bit worried when we're trying to just sort of sit deep and we can't we can't get any sort of possession, even against a team like Southampton, who aren't at the moment very good. Even against a team like that, you you tend to worry and get a bit anxious, um, because you know there's usually a mistake around the corner with this Liverpool side. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know, it's a good thing we didn't get that today. Um, but as Andy said, against a team like Porto in the Champions League, or if we were to get further, you know, we'd really get punished. So, although you know, I don't think the team can go all out throughout a game and attack, attack, attack. It does need to be much better when trying to control it. We do, we do have to control the ball. We have to be much better in, in possession. The decision-making has to be a lot better, a lot more cute than it is at the moment. Um, 
there were some sloppy passes today, man. It was a lot of balls going out for for throw-ins or almost out for throw-ins and easy passes just being behind teammates and whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the on the stat sheet, it looks as if it's a completed pass, but we we all can tell when a when a pass has been a poor one, and there was a lot of those today. It just needs to be better against Southampton when you tune it up. It's not that important, you know. You, the the three pointers in the bag, but um, you, against better opposition in the Champions League, where most teams are very switched on tactically, concentration levels in the Champions League are usually quite high. We cannot, you know, be performing like that in in midfield areas against against this quality of opposition. I think we'll get punished. Um, so I definitely agree with Andy on that one. But um, yeah, I you know I I think team. You know, needs to control, but needs to keep the ball better, much better. Fair enough. And Jamal, I'm going to come back to you. So you weren't seeing things. The lads, you know, part, you know, partly agree with what you've kind of said there. Um, I'd let you have the final thought before we let you go. Yeah, no, I think those are good points. You know, we missed a lot of chances. We were, you know, loose in possession, at least when we had the ball. Um, you know, Kazi makes a point that we're always worried when we're sitting deep and trying to absorb pressure. But I think. At least for me, the last, these last two games, I feel as if there's a, like kind of a Virgil factor, right? Where, where maybe he's just organizing things a little bit better. I feel a little bit more comfortable when I look at mm-hmm. the team absorbing pressure, uh, than before Virgil was there for the, for the, you know, for those last two games. Even against Tottenham, right? With the way we conceded those two goals, one was whatever, 30 yard, uh, wordly. Uh, the other one was a pen. So, uh, yes, they do, you know, teams do put us under pressure, but it's almost as if he's playing differently now that Virgil is, um, as part, you know, part of his, part of his team. So we'll see. No. All right. Thank you very much. No, awesome points. Thank you so much, Jamal. Enjoy, um, well, the very little left of the weekend and hopefully it's an awesome week for us all. Absolutely. Thank, thank you. Up the Reds. Take care. Thank you, Jamal. Okay, so that was Jamal, our final caller on the Nina Kauza show. I can't believe it's been way over an hour, way over an hour, and we've not discussed the two front men and their goals. So you know what? That's exactly what I'm going to do with Cuzzy and Wales. So Cuzzy, I'm going to come to you first on the first goal. Uh, so quick in transition, the counter-attack football, just amazing, great vision from Mosala. Talk to me about that, the link-up play and everything. I actually felt a little bad because I almost thought personally that it was going to fall to Mane. I was like, you're the most unluckiest man in that attack. <laughs> I had the impression that that, um, that Firmino sort of gave Mane the hand, like, oh, no, 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 no. You're not going <laughs> anywhere near this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slot home. And I was glad because um, the four Mane is in, he probably would have skied it. So <laughs> um, it's it, it was a funny game because although, you know, we've been a bit critical of, of the performance, um, it's a game we could have won 6, 7, 8, 0. Mm. Um, you know, we, we weren't sort of at our dominant best, but there were a lot of isolated moments where um, our, the quality of our forward players got us into some really good um, opportunities to score. And the first goal was 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 a, was a lovely um a lovely bit of play from Salah and the way he squared it the finish is beautiful. The second goal is this is uh, this ah uh, the second <laughs> the second goal is is a peach. Um, just the the ball from Matip and again last time I was on I think I I, I gave Matip man in a match. I can't remember what game it was now. It was these games are coming so thick and fast. But the game before last, I can't remember which one it was. was I think it was Huddersfield. Huddersfield, yes, it yeah. was Huddersfield, yeah. Um, I gave Matip man in a match for his um, vertical passes into feet and creating chances. He done it again for the second goal. 
Um, beautiful bit of play from Salah, and 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 then the um, the cheeky spinning back hill, and then the finish was was lovely. Um, yeah, it's funny that we've been on for o- over an hour and we've not discussed the front players yet. I think we're taking them for granted now. Um, mm. Firmino and Salah, the the form, the link up play between the two of them, and the form that both of them are showing at the moment is just fantastic. I'm just hoping that neither get in any injuries and they just keep that form going because you know you you the quality of of those two at the moment we can you we can be a bit iffy we can have sort of a, a not great game and still win against majority of the opposition so um yeah they 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 were both fantastic for those goals Absolutely. And before I go to Andy, Kuzi, I got to ask you, you wrote an article about Roberto Firmino. Is he doing what you want him to do? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, people saw the title of the um, of the article and, and, and immediately it, assumed it, angry, was, it was yeah. negative. It was negative. But, um, you know, it's it's true. You know, I want I want him to, to give that sort of uh, production. And I know and I know he can do it. We've had lots of um, conversations over the last couple of years on, on these post-match shows where Although I'm a fan of Firmino, I've always said I wanted more because I think he can produce it. So the sort of numbers that I that I thought he could produce, I think he can get 20 league goals. You know, I think he's definitely in his locker. He's done it before um, and it's definitely in his locker. I think he can do it this season. He can get 30 in all competitions and he can be statistically the striker. A lot of people who maybe want a traditional number nine, you know, he, he can produce. He can produce those numbers, I think. And in, and for, for us to be successful, for us to win the big prizes, if we want to win a league title or a Champions League, I think he would need to hit those numbers, even yes. with the likes of Salah scoring loads of goals and Mane. But the, the, with Phil gone, you know, there's not that many players in your side that's going to score a lot of goals. So there's the players that can hit the net, you just want them to sort of maximise their, you know, their opportunities. And I think I think he's got the ability to do that. And he's doing so this season, as as the statistics say. Absolutely. And Andy, I'm going to come to you, your thoughts on those goals, because they were they were absolutely stunning. I mean, we we've, we kind of criticised the attackers for missing easy chances, but those goals today scored. Beautiful. Yeah, I love the finish on the first one. Just so clean and crisp. You know, it, just the way they were on it uh, so early on. It gave you the hope that, you know, any chance we were going to get, we were going to bury, you're going to really put them to it. Uh, and it was that thing, you know, the first half, we, we that first five minutes, bang, we got the goal from nothing. Beautiful finish. Then we had like half an hour, 35 minutes of really sloppy play, almost, you know, inviting Southampton to get into the game, you know, as though we felt sorry for them. We really wanted them to make a game of it. And we were trying to engineer something for them. And then bang, out of nothing again, beautiful little interplay. I, I just, that that little... That little flick from Firmino is there's I, I'm I, I know there's nobody else in our team, uh, and I'm I'm not convinced there's anybody else in the Premier League who's audacious enough to do that flick that he does in the way that he does it. He's just got something um, beautifully mad, and <laughs> it's like a mad professor on the pitch at times. He's uh, oh, he's he's fantastic. He's he didn't have his best game today. Look, you know some of his touches and everything were really off, but them little moments of magic are just just fantastic. And and I love that. And and the thing is with Salah, is you do feel confident he's going to slot it away, uh, and he takes it so well. I know he's missed a couple of chances afterwards. You know, second half he couple of missed a couple of really good chances for him. One in particular, he, sh- he absolutely should have buried, but. Um, 
you know, that that one v ones on a goalkeeper, you're just convinced he's going to score every single time. You know, 29 goals in all competitions so far this season. It's just mind blowing for a guy that's supposed to be a winger. Um, uh, but the the way them two are linking up, and you could see the embrace after that second goal. Those two just click on the pitch. They obviously get on really well. And I think a positive to come out of things as well is although Mane, although Sadio Mane's, I think it's quite clear that his confidence isn't there at the moment. He's not firing all cylinders, but he's still trying. He's yes. still working away. He's doing all the basics. He's working to to be an effective member of the team. I think once his confidence comes back and he gets that swagger in his game again, you know, you just think it's not just them two up front; it's him as well. Uh, and you know. Uh, I'm I'm hoping it'll comes at just the right time, and maybe on Wednesday night we can see Sadio bag a couple of goals, uh, and then that's it. Then you know, the, imagine the three of them firing on all cylinders through to the end of the season. Yeah, it's 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 great, isn't it? Having such wonderful players who, who you know who seem to exist on a on a different stratosphere to everybody else in the attacking third of the pitch like that. So it's oh, beautiful, a uh, really good goal. So the, the second, yeah. Magic. Look at that. Happy customers. Uh, guys, I think we're pretty much to, um, uh, coming to the end of uh, this episode of the Nina Kaiser Show. I um, want to get your man of the match. Um, it'll be quite interesting, actually, to see which way you guys go. So, you know what? Cozy, I'll come to you first. Who's your man of the match? Oh, um, this is a tough one. Um, no one stood out for me as being consistently really good throughout the game. Um, but if I'm pressed... Um, might give it to Mo Salah. Um, I didn't think he was superb throughout the game, but just moments, decisive moments that he um, produced, I think won the game for us. So I would, um, I'd give it to him, but I think he should share some of the champagne with Karius because those saves were huge. Uh, well, the, 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 the one big save, the one that I mentioned earlier was huge. And I think if that goes in, it's a completely different game. Um, so a special mention to him as well. I saw a lot of people on Twitter talking about how good Van Dyke was, mm-hmm. and um, they're probably right. But um, I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see it. I didn't see him make that much of an impact. Maybe because you know he was so good and in what he was doing, he was just making it look so easy that I, I didn't quite notice. Um, but um, yeah, a lot of people um, seem to think um, that Van Dyke had a great game. But yeah, I'm going to give it to Salah and. Um, and, and with the honourable mention for Carrius. Amazing. Uh, I think the reason, I think, um, Andy, I'll come to you first. Um, secondly, um, who was your man of the match? Well, I was close to giving it to Carrius again. We gave him it last week and I was close to giving it again because, as Cousy mentioned, you know, when we needed him, he really pulled it out. Mm. But I am going to give it to Van Dyke as to Van Dyke just edging Carrius out for this because I just thought, Van Dyke really bossed that back line. And, mm. you know, you think the pressure, all the focus that was on him, the attention that was on him, the crowd were on him, you know, the the big money move, he's coming back to uh, St. Mary's. Every Everything was about him. And that performance was so calm, so assured. He just took it in his stride. He looked like he was actually enjoying the fact that everyone was calling you know, him a man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that they were trying to get at him and players around him he was just smiling he was laughing it off I think I actually think he was enjoying himself and it's such uh it's such a jump for us I think because we've got so many players that you know when they're put under pressure tend to crumble or mm-hmm. have 
you know, kind of lose their heads a bit, you know, yeah. become so emotional, they lose their heads and, and get, you know, caught up in the whole situation. He's, he breezed through that. I mean, that, yeah. that striker they were talking about, the Argentine, the Argentine striker, uh, Correo, he had him, he just had him on toast. He, you know, they didn't, he didn't get a single bit of change out of him. He looked comfortable throughout. So I, I'll say Van Dyke, given the situation and everything that was riding on it, I'd say Van Dyke just edges out uh, Loris Carrios. You know what? You've pretty much nicked all my points why um, people were probably highlighting Van Dyke and all those reasons um, that you mentioned there as well. And I remember uh, Liverpool played Southampton about two seasons ago. We just signed um, Lalana from them that summer. And I remember it was raining at St Mary's and he was getting booed, Lalana, and you could see tears. He was crying. So, you know, the fact that you're mentioning like the mental strength and, you know, him enjoying that game out there and just keeping a cool, calm head, it's it's definitely an asset that we should, um, you know, really um, be proud of because I feel like we, we don't have that many characters, who um, uh, players who have that character. So, yep, um, I think I think I'm going to go with Virgil van Dijk as well for, for those reasons. Uh, guys, thank you so much. A massive thank you to our, our callers who were absolutely amazing. A massive thank you to Andy and... Cuzzy, but before they go, do they have anything to plug? Cuzzy, I'm going to come to you. Do you want to tell people about this article? Yeah, you've done a, a, a nice slight plug there in, in, in the earlier segment just now. So, um, yeah, so wrote a, a, an article on Firmino uh, last week. Um, it would be great if you, um, if, if you went and had a read. Don't read too much into the title. Um, it's not a negative article. It's actually quite positive, really. Just need to, um, to, to, to have a read. It's on the site. It's called Roberto Alfamedia Needs to um, Deliver More. Um, but yeah, don't read too much into the title. Go in it and have a good read. I'm working on a, um, a couple more articles, articles to come out. Uh, one that's slightly interesting one is about um, um, Liverpool's best uh, performances under clock. And I'm going to try and narrow it down to five games and sort of talk about um, sort of how we felt, how the games went and what have you. So, are, right, they, are, be, are they going to be best in terms of uh, flawless performances? Mind you, you don't have flawless performances or just like heart attack football? Not really. Just, you know, um, in terms of it could be flawless or it could just be, your, your you know, your favourite match. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna take, you know, I'm going to sort of do a poll and uh, on Twitter and get people's opinions yes. on what their favourite games were and um, what our, our better performances were and then shortlist it to five and then do a bit of a piece around that. So I think that that'll be interesting. So any you you guys are, um feel free to um to, to to contribute your ideas to that as well. And um yeah, I hope to have that done within the next week or so. Absolutely. I just hope the Dortmund game's in there. Just uh, my little slide plug there. Uh, <laughs> it was just madness that game. Andy, coming over to you. I believe you did a Champions League pod. I know you did because I edited it. So uh, <laughs> feel free to plug that because it was an excellent listen. Yeah, it's uh, as we said, you know, Liverpool's next game is Champions League, huge match away to Porto uh, Wednesday night. So yeah, did a uh, did a preview of that match with uh, the man of a thousand podcasts, Guy Drinkle, and uh, Portuguese football analyst for Football Radar, uh, Jamie Farr, who gave us some great in- insight into Porto, how they set themselves up, kind of things that Liverpool can expect, and. Um, you know, just just a look at uh, the type of game it's going to be. It was an interesting discussion. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think yeah, a really good preview. Um, not too long, so about thirty minutes of your time. So please do give it a listen ahead of um, huge night on Wednesday night. A huge game, I should say, on uh, Wednesday night for Liverpool. 
absolutely I can't recommend that pod enough do check out both these guys work for my part I'm doing Anfield Index TV now. It's definitely a regular thing. Um, guys, if you're listening and you have a YouTube channel, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's Anfield Index. Pretty simple. Support me. I love doing those videos. It'd be great to get your feedback, what kind of videos I should do. And my second plug would be for AI Pro. It's absolutely phenomenal. Gr- absolutely great content. Legends, journalists, under pressure fan media there is everything it is 4.99 a month 49.99 annually seven day free trial all you gotta do is go to anfieldindex.com forward slash join and it's even better now much more simpler because you can even subscribe via the app so there you go no excuses so that's my plug i'm just thrilled we won we've got a massive game midweek Let's hope the Reds absolutely have an incredible week. Until next time, up the Reds. Podcast Network.